This is Conor Moore, and you are listening to the Irish F1 Show. Welcome along to a very special edition of the Irish F1 Show. We do have our usual crew with us, with Richard Carney and Barry Rabbit. Gents, how are you doing? How you doing, lads? All right? And I'm delighted, absolutely delighted to say we have the one and only Mr. Connor Moore of Connor Sketches. How are you getting on, dude? I'm a smooth operator. <laughs> <laughs> and we're off. I'm yes. good, yeah. <laughs> Thanks Just for having me. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. What's the story? How are you keeping? Good, yeah. Buzzing. Buzzing after last week's race. Yeah, yeah. And I you're flat Yeah. You're flat in general, Connor. You're gigging. You're Jesus, lad. I tell you, you're. If it was eight days in a week, I'd say, I'd say you'd be busy. Uh, I, yeah, it's mad. Being involved in so many different games now is is the mad thing because like you're trying to follow golf, Formula One, like soccer, and then GA happens here and stuff like that. And then like do, I've been doing the live gigs like for the last few months, and then I just finished them there last Thursday. But um, there was some buzz. Like obviously they're all Irish. It was a real Irish gig. Like there was a very small little bit of Formula One in it. Um, but yeah, no, it's been great. Now hoping that things kind of. I always keep saying, oh, once I get through now this week, and you know, I get to next Thursday, things are going to calm down. I'm sure, they never calm down. It's like something pops up, and it's like you're flat to the mat the whole time. Yeah, I'm sure, you wouldn't have it any other way. That's it. Yeah, look, you're doing you're doing something you love, and I suppose there's probably there's probably days where you just have to pinch yourself and think to yourself, Jesus. How did this like? How did this happen? Look where it's after getting to in such a short space of time as well. Like, yeah. Do, do you know what I? I often say <clears throat> like there are there are big pinch me moments, but sometimes there's a pinch me moment like on a on a, on a Monday, you know, and it's about eleven o'clock and you're listening to a podcast about like golf or Formula One or something, and then you are like, just this is me, my job. Yeah. Technically, <laughs> it's eleven o'clock on a Monday and I'm at work. You know, I haven't had a Monday in about six years just doing this crap. You know what I mean? That, that's what I was thinking when, when you mentioned it, the, the time, because, of course, you have to research all of this. You have to be current. You, you know, you have to know what's going on. And we know you from F1, obviously, but like you said, you cover all those other sports too. So that, that, that's the real work as well. I mean, they, in, in F1, they say that the drivers drive for free and they get paid for all the PR and other stuff they have to do. It's it's probably something similar in your case, is it? That the, the, the gigs and, you know, is the benefit you get out the other side of it, but the real graft is on a Wednesday, at, like you say, or a Monday at 11 o'clock in the morning. 100%. Like, and even doing, like, uh, like I'm going to just come, I'll come out of the closet here and say that I'm a, a Drive to Survive uh, Formula One. Um, what would you call that, kid or something? But now I did watch it years ago, about 20 years ago. Um I was like I I remember being younger and I loved watching Formula One, but then it just kind of I don't know. It was all when Eddie Irvine and Eddie Jordan then were kind of gone and everything else. It was just there wasn't the interest around here. No one was really talking about. It, I kind of felt well, not in the kind of zeitgeist of my world. And a lot of people ask me to do like, oh, will you do like tennis or hockey or when I'm in America or whatever? Will you do these sports? And I'm just like, no, no, no. I've I've no interest in them. And if I don't have any interest in them, I can't fake it. Like, I can't make content because, like, you need to research all the stuff. I need to, like, I love, and it, it's not Formula One that made me fall in love with, uh, uh, or not for, it's not Drive to Survive. Watching Drive to Survive just gave me the idea. I was like, geez, these boys are, like, very interesting. And they're after giving me quite an insight into who they are. And it's hard to, yeah. like, develop characters in other sports because they don't say anything. And then, like, I was sitting there with my wife watching the Monaco Grand Prix. And it was, like, the third episode or something. Or, and I was like, we were looking at each other. I was like, oh, I have to do this. 
you know, <laughs> nearly more like that. But then I just fell in love with it from following it. Um, over the last couple of years, like I have to say, I think it's just amazing. And it's, I've become like a, an F1 junkie. Like I'm every podcast, every whatever. I'm always like listening to stuff and watching stuff and like sitting down, having three TVs going on a Sunday. Like, and like, oh, if yeah. I wasn't like that, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do it. Cause I remember Ian Poulter told me about two or three years ago. Um, I was doing a gig in his house and we were sitting there and he's like, yeah, have you thought about the formula one, mate? It's amazing. <laughs> These guys, I mean, some of these guys hate each other. I mean, it's, it's like it, it's a bit like golf. It's, they can be honest, you know what I mean? They can just go, you know, when are all, like, you know yeah, yeah, it's sort of like golf is so respectful and everything else. And he's like, you know, in Formula One, these lads, like it gets it gets wild. Like, you know, these lads could like start fighting with each other and everything. And I was kind of going, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in my mind, I was like, I just um, I'm not into Formula One, so I'm not doing that. Like, yeah. and it's just developed now where I absolutely love the sport. But is Sorry, I was just going to say, Connor. It seems like golf was your first sort of love when you got doing the sketches and stuff like that. Um, have you fallen more in love with Formula One than golf, or is golf still every bit as present? Um, it's it's a weird one. Like obviously, I started off doing all the GA stuff and the Irish stuff, and then I dipped my toe in soccer and I started doing clap. And kind of when I did clap, I got a job doing it. Um. And then it was about a year into that, yeah, that I did the golf. And like, again, now, I wouldn't have been a mad golf fan. No, I was a fan of golf. I'd watch all the majors and the players' championship, like when the Masters would come every year since I was a teenager. I'd buy a load of uh, like junk food and stuff for the house. And um, so I was always into it like that. And I liked playing it a bit. But with that then, when I got into doing the impressions of it, like I really fell in love with golf. And now I'm like just kind of addicted with everything about golf. But Formula One is up there for me, where I would say if I might, the two things I'm most passionate about in sport at the minute, I would say GEA probably supersedes them all in a sense, because it's just, but that's just always been there and it'll always will be there. So you're always interested in that. But it's like golf and Formula One. Yeah. And they're so alike in terms yeah. of their individual sports. Um, their mind know, sports too, both of them. Yeah, yeah. And then even, the, the, the corporate world of it is quite the same. Like, it's like you go in there, it's all the same sponsors and kind of hospitality and all this kind of stuff. It's uh, it's interesting. Loads of money. Loads of money in it. <laughs> it's interesting you mentioned, and you did your little Ian Poulter bit, because the flip side of, um, I, st I, I started knocking up golf ball around just at Christmas, just gone. My brother-in-law dragged me into it eventually, and, I, and, I, and I've done a little bit since then. I'm literally a couple of weeks into it. So I watched the Netflix full swing, um it's the drive to survive of golf ultimately and i suppose i can see exactly where you're coming from because if you if if you'd have done that posted thing last november before i wouldn't even know who you, who he was or what he was what, what he was about or if he's a golfer at all so i suppose that's that's what happened to to drive to survive fans just on the f1 side so it it, it is it's a good concept to drive to survive full swing you know that the, the whole thing it does work and it drags people in and it makes the characters that you you do um i suppose you know it, it gives it a bigger audience uh the gunter steiners of this world like a few years ago Back. no one would have known who they were they didn't exist they existed obviously but literally only the real nerds like like you know the three of us here would have even known who he was so it, it's it's opened up that world massively um and then what you do obviously then is an extension of that which opens it further so it's it's it's, it's a very interesting market employee i think yeah and it's amazing when after Austin, like I noticed, like obviously doing the golf and stuff, 
has gone quite big in America, and I, I, I do a lot of work over there and stuff. But after I did Austin, like when I was walking down, I went to New York after that, and I'm walking down New York City, and people are stopping me on the street, like wow. you know. Which no, it, it would happen the odd time in New York, but it'd be a golf head that would spot me. He's like, "Oh my God, there, you know, whatever." But I, I, even me and my wife were like kind of stunned the week after the Austin Grand Prix. With the amount of people in New York were like, "There's that guy. There's that guy." That's amazing. That's and, and I tell you why because it's not long ago that Schumacher, Vettel, you know, um, take your pick at the top top drivers, Reichenen, could have walked through New York and not be recognised. Yeah, and there's and a lad from the middle of Ireland pretending to be them being recognised. <laughs> I mean, that, that just shows you how, how it's gone, like, you know? Yeah, that, that's what someone said to me uh, when I was saying it to somebody. I don't know who I was saying it to. Uh, oh, it was my agent in America, and I was, like, uh, in New York, and I had just signed with them uh, after the uh, Austin Grand Prix. And I was saying to your man, I was like, yeah, no, it's a bit mad. And he goes, yeah, yeah, but you see, what you don't understand now is, like, you didn't just do Formula One people. You're doing TV stars. These guys are now TV stars. Do you know what I mean? Gunter Steiner's a TV star. Yeah. Total Wolf. Like Christian yeah. Horner. Christian Horner yeah. is a is a bloody TV star. You know what I mean? They are like they're Netflix stars, like because this is reality TV. Um, and that's the thing. I even noticed uh like my own social media is like is always like 95% of the comments are from males. And on the Formula One, it's still uh, predominantly male, but like it might be like 60, 40, where so many women really love it and really enjoy because like you have an emotional attachment to it. Like, and obviously they're comparing the golf one and the Formula One one all the time now. And it's kind of unfair. First off, the Formula One uh, drives the vibe got really big during COVID when yeah. obviously everyone was watching just Netflix all day kind of thing. Um, and the other side to that is golf goes on for how many days and you could be like, you watch the episode of Polter there, but he mightn't feature in the, the golf tournament, so he's not on the TV. So you don't even get to see him. Formula One, like, you get to see every single driver. Like, even on Sunday, watching the, the Bahrain, the race was over after about five minutes. Like, you knew. Yeah. You weren't catching Max. Like, he's already, like, his pace was just too good. Like, and it was like, but there was all these stories underneath it. And the camera's following what's happening between fifth and sixth. You know, yeah. along yeah. Hamilton. And it's like, it, it keeps your interest. It's and a soap opera. Yeah, and Williams came to it and they're celebrating like they were after winning the Champions League, you know, because yeah. they got a point. And yeah. it's like in golf, like, not, like if you don't win, you don't celebrate. So, like, it's very, it's going, like, I think I actually really like the full swing thing in golf. I think it was really good. Mm -hmm. But I think people were trying to extrapolate like the Formula One success from it or something. Like, it was yeah. never going to happen, like, in terms of blowing up and making the sport like huge. But yeah. With the Formula One, like the drive survive thing has been obviously amazing for the sport. I know, like, there'd be a lot of guys that are around there for years and they're like, all oh, these mm -hmm. fans coming in and they, they know the person no. and all that. And that's what I try to, over the winter, like, I've been trying to look at like how cars are made and how just everything going down through the history of Formula One and stuff like that. Now, some of it I kind of know from the 90s, like, a lot of it I can remember back, but um, it, I just, it's so interesting, man. I just think it's class, class sport. Connor, can I ask in relation to something that you touched on there with, you know, we'll say Williams knowing what success means to them and how relative it is and, you know, how their goals are different to Red Bull and how they're comfortable with that. Like, if you take GA by comparison, I'm a big GA note as well, so is Richie, Barry not so much, right? But we go out into maybe an eight or a ten team senior championship and you know you're ranked between eight and ten, but yet when you're not achieving something and you're not winning the whole thing, it's a disaster. Whereas Williams know... And teams of like that know if they break in and maybe get a point or two, they're happy. So, like, 
there is such a, I suppose, a stark contrast, isn't there, between between the two, like, and and the mindsets involved as well, and the people involved, obviously. Yeah, and that's that's what I think is like. Obviously, you, you listen to some commentary about last weekend. They're like, "Oh, was it a good risk? Was it not? Whatever." And I was like, "I absolutely loved it. I loved watching Alonso, you know, taking on Hamilton." And the the, the, the crazy thing for me is, before I went to Austin, I never appreciated like an overtake. I'd be watching on the TV and Croft would be like, "Oh, here he goes! He's gone! He's gone!" <laughs> I'd just be like, oh, "Come on now! Like he fucking he passed them out!" Like you know, <laughs> when you're there. And you see these lads and they're going 250 kilometers or whatever and they, they, their wheels are this far apart and you hear the, the roar of the crowd. I can understand why Crofty is like having an orgasm. Oh my God! But uh, it was only until I went to Austin that I was like, wow, that is amazing to see that. And now when I see it on the TV, I'm like, oh, geez, you know what? Like, is he going to make it or whatever? But before I actually went and seen it from my own two eyes, I never appreciated it. Like, and even I would have thought when I got there, I was like, "The TV does it such an injustice." But it's only yeah. then when I'm not watching it on TV. Now I know I've been there. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Like, I, I feel that kind of buzz watching it. But yeah, that 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 was the point I was kind of making to someone there about like Williams. Like, they got a point or whatever, and it was like, it's a story. Yeah. You know, so many, like, there's seven or eight different narratives that come out of every race. You know. And it's interesting because that, that's what, the more you invest in the sport, and I presume it's its probably true of a lot of sports. I wouldn't know. I, I'm a bit of a one sport kind of, you know, F racing in general, not just F1 is it. But the more you, even I, I watched a bit, I started watching a bit of NASCAR and IndyCar, you know, the ovals in the States where they're, they're just turning left and they're going left again and never going left again. And yeah, if you just flick onto it, you don't see any of the, the, the intricacies of what's involved. But when you invest a bit of time into it, um, you start to appreciate it more and more and more and you can understand all the little nuances that are going on and I think that's probably what Drive to Survive has done more than anything else It's it's and, and given wave to this next bunch of fans um, which is F1 is very unique in most fans are bases are getting older you know younger younger kids aren't really sports followers like you know our generation and those ahead of yeah. us Um but I think Drive to Survive has done a really good job there. It's gone, right, the racing is this much and, you know, the cars are fast and we'll, we'll do our bit over there. But the stories are everything that's going around behind it. And, and I used to try, you know, before there was the latest burst of, of Drive to Survive popularity, you know, mates of mine and family members would be like, how do you watch that for an hour and a half? And, yeah. and, and you'd be trying, and the odd time one of them would sit down with me and watch a race and I'd be kind of, Doing the color, like now, like this is important because the, 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 the and they did generally enjoy it more as a result. But you know, that's just one person on the couch beside you. What Drive to Survive has done is given that color to, to a whole world of people first and then got them watching their seconds, if at all. Yeah. A lot of them don't even watch the races, they just they just watch the Drive to Survive and the condensedness and the social media side of it. So it's as I said earlier. It's 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 really it's done a really good job of it. And F one in particular, um, like you said, there's twenty drivers in the world. That's it. You know, there isn't hundreds of them like there is in golf. It's a much easier sport to package. And then just the general excitement of it, the the speed and noises and crashes. It's yeah. Um, yeah. My it's, wife, just to your point there, like my wife comes in, she's like, and I'm like, oh, where, where's Charles? I'm like, ah, oh, DNF, there is Carl. Oh, on you. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Where <laughs> she's Charles. invested in it because she's, you know, and it's like you're like Daniel there last year. Oh, where's Daniel? And it was all about Daniel. Do you know what I mean? They love the characters the and characters. That's what, like to your point, like building the storylines, and that's what Drive Survive has done so well. And like even the whole Christian and Toto thing. Like now, I don't know this, but like I bet you them two are like best of buds. Like you know, <laughs> but they, 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 it's all this kind of like me against you thing. I'm sure there obviously is a competitiveness and rivalry there, but like. <clears throat> What Drive to Survive have done there, and especially like and a lot of that credit to Christian, like how he's built it up. And um, it's like Arsenal, they all for nothing, or Tottenham and Man City. They're trying to do this in soccer now because <clears throat> there's no storyline in soccer anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, you no, know, even with the, the, the Man City Liverpool, like, and what a lovely rivalry that is, where they're like, just, oh, it's a beautiful game, and they, they give each other a clap in the back, and it's a hug, you know, and so all this, you know, what a great game. While Man United and Arsenal back in the day, used to kill each other and that was the story we used to like just couldn't wait for that match to come around every year and if they drew each other in the cup all the better you got to see it three times and like i'm a liverpool fan and um, i'm not even a huge fan of anybody i try to be you know i try to <laughs> detach myself from it all together um but uh yeah no it's like in fairness to drive to survive like what they've done with formula one now at the same time it's always been there they've just brought it exactly to- Basis. I will say I, I I enjoyed the first three series of Drive to Survive a lot more than probably the last two because I loved watching it when I didn't know what was happening. But like right. an awful lot it's of like it watching now, the movie oh, the second time, like yeah, yeah. I kind of know, you know, you know what's kind of happening a lot of the time, or you know, like obviously there's things there, and Daniel's having a conversation with the lads at McLaren. You know, he's losing his seat, like you know, but. You know, a couple of years ago when you were watching the one where Checo got the seat there, I can't remember who it was for or whatever, you know, you didn't know these things and it was kind of, it made it even better for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I suppose that, and that, the, if you watch F1 and you follow it as closely as the likes of us do and, you know, not even to that level, that's the enjoyment you get. It, it's, it's like you watching the Drive to Survive the first couple of seasons because you're watching it in real time. You know, not binge watching it. Like, you know, it's gone back to the old days at uh, half eight for Glenn Rowe. You know, you had to wait till the half eight and that was it. Like, <laughs> you, didn't get, you, couldn't, you couldn't fast forward to see, you know, what was happening next. Um, Glenn Rowe and F1, how did that happen? Anyway, that, there that's was... That's a fair um, analogy, <laughs> you know, we, yeah. But you had to wait. And, that, and, and the waiting was the excitement in itself, you know? Like, it's, yeah. it's instant gratification now. So... Um, Jesus, this is this taking a turn. Poor old Biddy. There was in the last episode Biddy crashing the car, and we talked about racing. Good man, Barry. <laughs> Jenny, man. This took a this took a twist. All of us. Like. You're obviously a fanatic. Are you? Were you? When your when your options were one, two, three, four, <laughs> and if it was Glenn Rowe or go to bed. That was the trade off, Connor. <laughs> my memory of it was it was Glenn Rowe or go to bed and get for, for school the next morning. That oh, was yeah. the two options. Sound it still annoys me. It's like oh, bollocks. The weekend's over. School. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As the great man himself said, well, holy God. <laughs> yeah. so, Connor, two questions, right, roll into one. So, first of all, how surreal is it like when you're actually standing beside someone doing the impersonations? You've done it with Tiger Woods, you've done it with Carl Science. And the second question to double in with that is, have you ever actually met a bit of flakiness or, or resistance to, to any of it? Uh, yeah, do you know what? I, I, at the start, it was kind of nerve wracking. I, I I kind of find it a lot easier now, like because um, like when I'm doing impersonations as well, like I'm not really into some satire is, is like there for the reason of like cutting the back off someone or a p- politician and really making them kind of look bad. Uh, I don't really kind of like that 
like not that I don't like that like I, I don't like doing that to people or something I just if I'm putting out something and I think oh he's going to hate this like I, I don't know it just it just turns me off you know doing it or something so like now don't get me wrong like my job is to take the piss but like in as lighthearted a manner as possible like you know um, and you can't ignore some things that happen you can't go I'm not going to do this or do that but like uh like when I met Daniel over in uh, what you call it, I was a bit like, "Jeez, oh, I hope, I hope he's all right. I hope he's cool." And uh, he was, because like obviously he'd like lost his, he was losing his seat, like, and he wasn't yeah. like going smile. And my whole thing was like, he's always smiling. He's like, "Yeah, you know, I just always a DNF. It was great, mate." You know, like, <laughs> I, was, I was so happy to. And then I was like, oh. and I met like he was so he was so cool. He was actually the kind of coolest out of everyone because he wasn't like. Oh, I love it or whatever. He's like, oh yeah. And then when I walked, it was like, say shit about me. You get to see what happened. I seen that. He was only joking when he said he'd punch you in the face. I think so. Guy that I had with me recording that, like when I walked off, I didn't really, I barely heard what he said, kind of, or and I didn't really, I knew in general what he had said. And I turned, I was, I don't know what I said back, but um, the lad then on the camera was like, oh my god, man, that is oh, you just got a golden right. piece of content. And I was like, did it? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I held it. I held on him at the end, man. And you want to see he laughs and stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then when I seen it that night, I was like, oh, just, that's, that's excellent. It's brilliant. Like, yeah, it's but it was natural. It was like two lads yeah. kind of just having a chat, like, you know, and slagging each other. And, and when I got there then as well, like Carlos, um, I wasn't supposed to do that with Carlos and Sky were trying to do it. And then I was supposed to do it on the Friday. And then I had to turn them down. Like they were giving me five minutes with Carlos Sainz and Ferrari were like, yeah, yeah, yeah we, we'll, we'll make sure he's there. But I was doing something with Mercedes. It's the weirdest thing ever to be like, sorry, Ferrari. I'm not about <laughs> I'm busy. I'm washing my hair. <laughs> I have a date with Mercedes, actually. But I'll call you. Um, so I was doing the thing with Toto and George and then obviously Carlos. Carlos came down. He was just interested because like his impression is definitely the best. Yeah. Um, but when I was doing him, like literally about two episodes, three episodes in, I was like, uh, my wife is sitting there. I was like, My name is Carlos Shines. I'm a driver with Ferrari. And she's like, oh, God, that's brilliant. And I was like, oh, Like, that actually took really no practice at all. And that's rare that that will ever happen. But uh, so is that I, because it's, it's so unique? Yeah, yeah. And he, and he, yeah, it's, it's, it's such a kind of, you know, it is. Yeah. I think all impersonators actually like um, have that kind of, you know what I mean? Is uh, that kind of, I don't know, Kermit the Frog. Kind of like a Kermit the Frog kind of voice or whatever. And, you know, and everyone's always like all impersonators have done that really. And Carlos has that kind of like the back of the throat, real high up kind of, you know, it is like that is amazing. And uh, <laughs> he was kind of easy too. He was cool. When I met him, like just such a gentleman, he was like, I'm interested to find out what you sound like. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> like, you know what oh, yeah. I thought was really cool? And I'd be interested to hear your thoughts when you seen it. There was a. It was kind of when it was, well, to my eyes, it might have been earlier, but it was kind of when the whole um, Conor Moore thing was blowing up in F1, um, and the video um, did the rounds of, the I think it was Checo, Max, and the two Ferrari drivers in a circle watching your, you taking, not the piss, but impersonating them, and then yeah. watching, it was a real kind of, you know, like looking in a mirror that keeps coming back on you sort of thing. It was them watching you being them, and how 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 well they received it. That that must have been a really nice moment for you to see. It, yeah, it was a weird. I kind of ruined the moment. In fact, I was. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I, had, I had a boat. I was on. Uh, I have a boat down in. Uh, I live on like right down by a lake, and I have a little lake boat. 
and uh, the engine wouldn't start in the yoke or whatever. And it was like bollocks. And I was there messing with this yoke and I, like again, I'm back now. This is about a year ago or whatever. Like I didn't, uh, I know a little bit more about engines now, just given that I'm kind of researching all this kind of stuff. But I was there playing around with this yoke and I couldn't get it going. And then someone sends me this video of the lads all, and I couldn't really hear it. I was out in the countryside. I was just like, oh, whatever. And I skipped it. And then I got sent it again. I was looking at it. And again, I couldn't really hear it, whatever was going on with the noise around. And I was like, the boys were just standing there looking at this thing. And I was just like, whatever. And it was only when I got into the car then, someone had texted me and said, that's an amazing video. The lad's watching your video. And I was like, Jesus, I went back in to look at the video. I was like, oh, I couldn't believe it then. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> yeah, so I, it, it, it was drip fed to you nearly. Third time lucky. Third time lucky I got it. Um, but... Uh, yeah, no, that was that was amazing. And you see, when you get that kind of um, uh, credit off them, because they're popular then, the people that like follow them and are fans of them, then they'll, they'll uh, enjoy your thing as well. If they think, and I always say, like, the best thing about impersonations, like, or the best thing for me, I always say is, if the people like it, I like it. And the person I'm doing likes it. Well, that's just a home run like that. You're yeah. going to have great a great fun with that. And that's back to your question, Kev, just on, did I ever... The only time I ever thought I got a little bit of, um, not even pushback, but like a bit of coldness over it was doing Davy Fitz. Are you serious? Uh, Davy Fitzgerald, yeah, in front of him in Kildare a few years ago, where and Davy obviously, well, his it's beyond immature some of his uh, his interviews, you know, and he, you know, and I'm not saying that, no, 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 I'm not saying a word, no, no I'm not going to get it on me, guys, not. So I just did this. And he was right there. Now, Joe Brawley was there as well. There was other people I was doing, like, and they were all in stitches laughing. It was hysterics and all this out of them. And Davey was just kind of like... <laughs> and then at the end of it, Martin Morris, he goes, so, Davey, what did you think of that? And Davey was like, look, you know, if... Um, <laughs> sure it's all a bit of a laugh. People are laughing, they're laughing, you know? <laughs> I was like... And Brawley didn't give a shit, did he? But, uh, he probably was nearly like, do me again, do me again. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only time I kind of felt, I was like, ooh. Um, and I wouldn't mind, I've gone on to do Davey way worse now. Like, But I think, no matter what, even if I tried to lick Davey's hole now, I'd say he'd still have a problem with it. He, he seems like that sort of a fella. Like, I, no, I don't know him personally. But uh, yeah, I don't think he'd take too kindly to anybody. Anybody says anything about him, he's like, Rawr. so... <laughs> That's absolutely brilliant. Some some story, lad. Uh, what I would want to ask as well is where where did all this actually come from? Like, was there a, a five, six, seven year old going around, you know, taking the piss out of people as well that time? Or how did uh, this happen? I'm in Duffy, baby. Uh, that's <laughs> um, it actually get Apri match. The boys in Apri match, and your man. Oh yeah. Does Eamon Dunphy, and there was a DVD called Live at the Olympia. I actually played the Olympia twice in the last month or whatever, and I did Vicar Street the first time. I could have just gone back to Vicar Street and I switched it to the Olympia, and it was absolutely nothing against Vicar Street. Vicar Street's an amazing venue, but oh, because yeah. the Live at the oh, Olympia match DVD was what kicked it off for me, I was like, I, I really want to do the Olympia. Um, because that was the DVD where the boys, you know, came out, Bill O'Hurley, he like live here at the Olympia Theatre, live here with Emma Dunphy. <laughs> and uh, I, I watched that and like when you're a kid then and you see your father laughing at something, you look you up to your father when you're a kid and you think, well, that's obviously funny. Like, so because my dad thought it was funny, 
I thought it was funny, you know, and then, so I was like, and then I was trying to impress him, you know, and I, I can remember nights where he'd come home with a snack box after been out having a few drinks and he'd come home and I'd be nearly ready sitting at the table going, yeah, you know, what do you think of me? I'm in Duffy. He's like, that's very good. That's very good. That's very good. Right. <laughs> um, so that, that's how it kind of kicked off, but I would have been doing it in school. And it's amazing. One of, only one of my mates really enjoyed it. Like no one really showed much of an appreciation for, I, I used to do Mick McCarthy all the time. All right. All right. You know, I mean, it's great. So they, yeah. and my friend Alan Cashman he'd always laugh at it and he'd love it and he was always like oh yeah do it here and do it there and to this day he helps me with, with writing out stuff and things like Brilliant. that like if I'm ever stuck and I'm like oh, I need to do something I'll give him a buzz I'll call over to his house and we'll sit there a cup of tea and he's, he's a really good gauge of what's funny like and if I say stuff to him and he doesn't laugh very often if I've tried it in a gig the audience won't laugh but if he laughs it, he's an amazing sounding board he kind of knows what's funny and uh, he was he was when me and him were in school like we were best mates and he would like laugh at the impersonation and then it, there went maybe 15 years without doing an impersonation uh, but now I would have followed Mario and the gift grub and stuff like that and I remember he, like Mario had Jose Mourinho down and uh, he was doing his Mourinho or whatever and I would have been copying his Mourinho and I remember like getting uh, injured over in America and hurt my leg and ended up going to the doctor and the doctor was like, oh yeah, yeah, blah, 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 you know, you, your leg, you, you're, you're sore here and blah, 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 you'll have to get surgery on that and stuff like that. And it was like, oh, we, we won't be able to do that there. You know, your your insurance doesn't cover, you'd have to go somewhere else and this, that and the other. And I was like, all right, grand. And then we were just chatting away and then your man's asking me questions and he's like, so what are you doing over here? I'm like, oh, I'm on a J1 and I'm playing a bit of football and he taught football and soccer and it obviously meant Gaelic football, but he says, uh, oh man, I love Chelsea, man. I love Chelsea and stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, you like Jose Mourinho? He's like, oh my God, I love Mourinho. I was like, I am the special one. I am the special one. I am Jose Mourinho. I think he's fantastic. Wonderful. I think a very, very special doctor. And he's like, Whoa, man, that is so cool. Me and him are talking for a few minutes later then. And he's like, hey, you know what? Don't worry about it. You just come back in here next week and we'll get that done for you. <laughs> <laughs> that was like, it, it, it helped me out. Like, um, but, uh, just on that, kind of, um, kind of the, the, the power of... Um, of the impersonators, because I, as I said earlier, I, I don't follow soccer or football or anything like that. But uh, Jose Marino, as you said, um, the Eamon Dunphy, all these guys, I know them primarily through people doing impersonations of them. The, the yeah. real guy might walk into the room here beside me, and I wouldn't recognise him. But I know, like like you said, the lads on, um, you know, Mario Rosenstock and the the Apre match, and you know, even some of the UK impressionists and stuff. I I, I would know the character and the guy beside me could be i'll tell you how bad i am i was sat in a rest in a restaurant in a hotel a number of years ago and the guy beside me sitting having his breakfast in a tracksuit and um there was an odd flow of people coming over and getting a photo and a picture and whatnot and i was with a group of english guys and then he kind of left i said who was he he seems to be you know famous and the english guys told me that it was robbie Keane, who was captain of ireland at the time so that's my level of sports knowledge. <laughs> so, but, uh, you didn't watch the World Cup in 2002? <laughs> ah, Barry. Jeez, <laughs> oh, I, didn't, I didn't think it was that bad. <laughs> that bad. I had a group of English guys tell me that the Irish football soccer captain was sitting beside me at breakfast. I was like, I don't know who he is. But so that's my level of non-motor racing sport following. Um, but I knew Mourinho, I knew... Um, uh, Eamon Dunphy, all uh, you know, all, all these guys as a result of impressionists only, completely, yeah, yeah, you know, sure. or Roy Keane, even, you know, 
even doing um like uh, I do Jerlock Nan, who's uh Sherlock Nan is like the former Clare manager. And I remember the first time I did him and all my mates were like, who's your man? And I'm like, lads, he's the guy that on Sunday, on the Sunday game. And they go, oh, yeah, yeah, your man from Clare. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then his character just developed into this. Like, it's not even like Ger. I just turned him into, someone said to me one day, you know what? And I was trying to think of like, what way to go with Ger. And do I just have him complain about stuff all the time? And then it was like, you nearly want to think of Ger like when the camera goes off. The red light goes off, boom, he goes straight to Coppers and goes on a mad one. Like, he's obviously this older man. He obviously does not do any of this. But I just developed this character. I was in New York with him, in Thailand. If I went on holidays, I'd make a video of him just being in a different country, experiencing, like, I was in Denmark and different places. And people just knew him then from that, like, the Ger the, the Gerlach Nan character. And the, 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 the big thing I was afraid of nearly is when people meet him now, they're like, just, he's a mad bastard. <laughs> He doesn't even drink. He doesn't even drink. He's a hurling man, you know, and uh, look, hunting and hurling and stuff. But yeah, I, I like it, it's amazing, like the power of uh, kind of doing that and building up those characters. And that's what I kind of like about doing it. And I always like meeting people I'm doing. And I wouldn't like to think that because, uh, like, famous people are people too. Do you know? Mm -hmm. what I, and I'm sure. The, the weird thing about my thing is that, like, yeah, if you're doing them here locally and stuff, they're not going to see them. But any anytime I do an F1 video, like, that whole paddock, it seems, like, does see it, like. So you yeah. are conscious of that, like, and you're like, all right, I better not, like, you know, if something's serious or something, or even in golf, something really personal happens to somebody. I'd have people writing to me going, oh, you should do a sketch on this. And it's like, eh, no, like, don't get me wrong, it could be quite popular, but that person could end up just hating you for it. And... Yeah. I think what comes across on your sorry, I think what comes across on your on your videos is you do have a, a genuine knowledge. I mean, the, the one that that was doing the rounds recently with the the team team principals at the season start. Um, I think I think it was Paddy Power um, yeah, uh, yeah. put it out there. Um, I I enjoyed that just as much for the actual impression, but the the, the, the writing was fantastic. You know, it was it was. It was real. It was, you know, it, 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 you knew that you knew the subject, you know, because there was like little subtle jokes there that, you know, you would get, you had to have a fairly decent, you know, knowledge of the sport to get the little jokes. And then there was the kind of the crowd pleasers, let's say. But you, 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 and I'd imagine that comes across in, in the F1 paddock too, that, you know, it's, it's fair. It's not, you're not taking, you know, cheap shots. Um, you know, even the, the Max one is brilliant though. The one where Max is, you know, shouting down the radio. Um, and from a driver's perspective, and Richie will confirm this, and of course we're only at club level stuff, but it's it's still the same mentality. The person you are in the car shouting and roaring, that's not you. Like it's it's literally a caricature of yourself. Um, and so the, I, I'm sure the drivers listen back to their radio and go, oh, you know, what am I like? If so, I often said it here, you know, because when we're talking about the F1 particular race and the, the comments are, oh, why why did why did Verstappen say that? And he's given. And why did Hamilton give out to his engineer? And I'm like, do 200 mile an hour. Like they're <laughs> almost dying a couple of seconds a lap, and they're not going to be thinking of every word that comes out of their mouth because it's been broadcast to a billion people or whatever. Um, so the drivers, I'd imagine, are aware that that's out there, and it's not really them, which is probably why they don't mind the, the you know, the, the, the impersonations of Max shouting down the radio. <laughs> Oh yeah, and like it, like it, and I was doing the whole aggressive thing with Max last year. Like he's like this. He's yeah, he's very lovely when he's in interviews, and then he's in the car, and he's he's this mad, mad lunatic. But like to your point, like there, the tension in that car, 
And like you have people that like literally are trying to nearly run you off the road. You know what I mean? They are trying to run you off the road, literally. Yeah, you know, and there's a fine line between like, okay, this could be deadly dangerous and whatever. And you are literally driving along that line. And, you know, that's why I kind of, I think the driver's just totally accepted, like whether it's Charles or it's Max or whatever, they roar into that radio and they know, and especially because Netflix, I think, get access to all the radio stuff. And so they're just going to use whatever then, and they're going to show you maybe in an unflattering light. Like even the thing with Max last year, the thing with him and Checo, um, when he didn't let him pass on the second last race was at Brazil, I think, yeah. um, where he didn't let him pass. And it was like, he knows what he did. And it showed the ruthlessness of Max, like in terms of, that was the thing that came across for me because everyone like loves Checo and everything. And you're like, ah, oh, let him pass. You know what I mean? Yeah, and he I, had to last year and all this kind of stuff. He's nice. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know the ins and outs like of what's going on there. And I, I, I the thing I extrapolated most from that was like, how ruthless Max actually is and that to be the best, you have to be ruthless. And he was like, whatever happened there, I, we assume it's the Monaco Grand Prix incident. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of alluded to that in the last video as well. You know what you did, Checo, because publicly. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that was one of the subtle ones that I was talking about a second ago. Yeah, you know, yeah. You have to say, it was because of what you did on the entrance to the tunnel by spinning the car on purpose. You didn't have to go into that detail. It was just, yeah. you know what you did and everyone who really follows the sport was like, he's totally talking about Monaco. Yeah, and if, if if I'm gonna do it like that's I, I like I was saying earlier on to that point that like I have to really enjoy it like because like what I was saying there about on a Monday listen to these podcasts, like if I've no interest listening to a podcast or someone says to me, All right, we're doing we want you to do the MLS in baseball and I'm like, All right, so the first thing like it took me like nine or ten months to put a Formula One video out between um watching the races and the sport to learn more about it like and i'm still learning more about it. i'm trying to learn more about the inside of the, the car and like the effects of downforce and even like the mechanics and the different like um uh concepts that the teams are coming out with like in terms of uh the shape of the car the aerodynamics and all the rest and you see what's happening with mercedes because like if i come on this with you like i don't want to uh you to be kind of talking to, and this going over my head and then when I'm doing a video, then like you can kind of cater to every audience where you're doing those like little insider jokes um, and you're doing the stuff that like, let's say the casual drive to survive fan who's not really following stuff like religiously, you know, some of them only find out what happened last year, next year or this year, yeah. next year. You know, there's yeah. stuff happening this year that they won't even know happening until next year, but they love Formula One. Uh, so, yeah, no, definitely. I. Uh, that's why like I... I really love it like even me and my dad there sometimes then we flick on like because he'd be always on to me for years about senna and i'm uh i don't know for a long time like i like i now like i'm obsessed with him because i'm getting into it now and i'm watching it and stuff like that like obviously i knew like bits and bobs about him and stuff and it just keeps growing that's the thing it, it catches you and it just and the more invested you're in it like the easier it is just to follow it then and it's like i'll get into the car and i stick on a podcast and then it's like i write something down and it's like oh you might use that today but i might use it down the line and in the head. Um, yeah like even after the last race i was like i could have done a good video i felt but we just moved we're kind of moved into a house before we move into our house uh so we're moving and i was unpacking and everything i didn't have that set up so i didn't do it but then i just wrote the stuff down and i'm like all right i'll just use a lot of that for the preview of the next race i'll probably do another team's meeting or something like just like obviously mercedes like it's just it's crazy what's happening there you know they're like talking about scrapping the car it's like the first race they're fighting internally now as well from i was reading um hamilton is kind of giving out to the team for not listening to him 
Yeah, and he's, I think Lewis is like, he's been, I, oh, I was watching him all last year and he seems like a man that's just about to blow. He's like, yeah, mm -hmm. oh man, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for this car that can't go fast. <laughs> and he's ready to kill everybody, but he just keeps trying to convince himself, oh man, I am so grateful. I'm so grateful, yeah. grateful for this. And you know the way, when I'm doing the grateful thing, I don't know if he would, I don't know why he thinks of it. Like I didn't meet him when I was over there. Lewis was kind of that guy where when he walked by the paddock, no. um, Carlos could walk by you, Max could walk by you, Checo could walk by you, and it's like, oh my God, there's there's Max, there's Checo, whatever. When Lewis walked by you, it was like, you've seen Lewis from 100 yards away. You know, oh, right, yeah. this, you know, and there's a couple of big boys around him and stuff, and it's like he's the Muhammad Ali of this kind of game. Yeah. Uh, and he's always like, he's always on that grateful thing. And sure, you boys know from like, from us being Irish, you imagine being down the pub and one of the boys going, I'm just, I'm just so grateful. I'm just so grateful. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so what I do, when Lewis is doing the grateful thing, I'm always kind of like, uh, I, like, I'd be thinking like, what would I be saying if that was one of my mates? Like, um, yeah, thanking the crowd for, you know, no matter what question they yeah. ask him. Mm. You know, the, 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 yeah, the, the front wing is falling off your car. It's on fire there behind you, Lewis, and there's people <laughs> running to it. I just like, you guys are great. You guys, and you're like, he Not says, I will say one thing, my, my respect from shot up through the roof after, um, like, obviously, you have huge respect from anyway, but I thought, like, like, you see fellas that lose and how they can react when they lose. And what happened, like, Toto. to Abu Dhabi, like, it was, <laughs> what happened to him with Abu Dhabi, like, imagine that happened to anybody, like, you just, like, that was him breaking the record for eight world championships, like, to go out on his own and everything. And he just stood there and went, oh, congratulations to Max. Uh, he, you know, he drove uh, so good. And I'm just so grateful for the fans. And I was <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. Like, you've been interviewed about three minutes after this finished. Like, yeah. I'm because kicking the car. Awesome. I'm going over. I'm grabbing the helmet. I'm beating it off the Red Bull car. I'm like, you know what I mean? I don't know how he kept it together. And that's when I was kind of like, maybe this guy isn't uh, kind of, I know I'm saying, oh, he's going crazy and stuff. But maybe he isn't like a, he has just such a good head. I will say one thing in terms of a role model or something like you couldn't yeah. like get a, a better guy. Oh. Well, the thing is as well, from someone like Hamilton coming up, like you got to bear in mind, he's, he's racing cars since he's probably five or six and driving them even earlier. So but, uh, it's, it's, it's hurt to tell you lads, think about it, right? Think about it. I blame your man, Tommy Hilfiger for all this. Why? <laughs> Okay, this is going somewhere. <laughs> and, and Tommy Hilfiger are clearly listening because Richie has completely dropped out. He's after censoring him. Yeah. <laughs> Go on. Well, I think about it, right? It's like Tiger Woods with the night deal. Once Lewis start wearing that Tommy Hilfiger gear, Mercedes have just gone to shit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Do you know the Tiger signed with Nike in 1996? Yeah. <laughs> the year won the All-Ireland. <laughs> so, if there it, was any doubt that it's the Irish F1 show, I think that's been dispelled now. Well, you see, this is this, the thing, Connor, and there's a lot of tangibility with your views and our views, actually, too, um, because we, for a long time, and probably to an extent still don't get that that whole thing that you talk about with the, with the grateful and you know even we would have spoken about um the amount of work angela cullen does and stuff right but i'm actually with you in terms of the amount of respect that i have gained for him uh over the past year now it's not that there was never respect but it's kind of like all right yeah and no, all he's you're kind of learning a bit more i suppose from 
you know, I mean, none, none of us know it properly, but you know, you're learning a bit more from what you're seeing and hearing how he's reacting in adversity and stuff. Whereas for a long time, we only ever seen him winning, and when you see that, that's where you gain the respect. I think, but Richie, Richie's nickname is Schumacher, like the boys have said, have won Irish titles, and he cannot have anything said for a second that Hamilton is better than Schumacher. It's just <laughs> it's ghastly. But if we were to ask Connor Moore, who who would you think is is the greatest? Be careful now, Connor. Be careful. <laughs> <laughs> The, the, the thing for me is, uh, like, this, this is a, I, uh, and even with golf, it's a pub question, like, do you know, it's, it's, there is no right or wrong answer to it, and I'm not right or someone else isn't right. Again, for me to go back, um, how important is the car? Like, you know, at the minute, would Max, if Max was driving for Ferrari, would he have won the last two championships? I, I think it's an impossible question. For me, it's like, it of a generation, who's the best kind of thing, and Hamilton of his generation is the best. And I'm not trying to sidestep that question. I also don't want to, out of ignorance, say it like, is Senna the best? You know what I mean? Like, you know, obviously his career was cut short. It, or not the best, sorry, the greatest. It's, people say the same in golf about Tiger and Jack. And it's like, when it comes down to numbers, I think in the fullness of time, in 100 years, people don't care what car you were driving. They don't ask that question. They don't ask the question about Tiger or what clubs was he using or did he get injured. They're going to see that Jack Nicholas has 18 majors and Tiger Woods has 15. So in 100 years, when we're all gone and no one has seen Tiger Woods in the flesh, they'll say, oh, well, Jack is the greatest, but like, you know, Tiger is the best. And now some people will say, well, Tiger's the greatest. Yeah. You know, anyway, it doesn't matter about the numbers. Uh, uh, for me then, I, I just think seven and seven. If Lewis breaks it, you know, and he gets to eight, I think he's the eight world championships is just astounding. It's nearly every other year you win in a championship. And yeah, like, yeah, it can't be overlooked. I mean, the car is important, but the, you, you know, in many ways, you get you get the car you deserve too. In some some ways, because you got that's part of it's part of being a driver. It's part of creating the team effort around you and developing the car and everything else. So you know, the cream will always come to the top. Um, like, same with footballers. Like you're a yeah. good footballer, you get signed for. Man City, Manchester United, Liverpool, and you win trophies. Like, but you can be an amazing footballer and stay at a team and be loyal or something, you know. And you're not known as one of the greatest because you didn't win all the trophies, kind of thing. So, like, uh, yeah, to your point, like, you get picked for the top teams that have the biggest budgets and the best cars because they know you're the best driver. Um, and and go, going back to what you're saying about Hamilton keeping a cap on it, like as I said, he, he's been racing thirty, pro probably thirty years at this stage. He's in his late, I think he's about thirty-eight or something at the moment. So he's definitely been a a racing driver for 30 years, which is incredible to think about. Um, like most people's adult careers are only about that long, you know, and he's, he's 38 and he's, al he's already got that in, in, in the books. Um, so, you know, you, you'll be sure that there's at Abu Dhabi 21 when he was trying to keep a cap on it, you know, his mind would be going back to that time at, you know, some random car track, you know, in, in, the, in, the, in a cold Sunday in, in the middle of the UK, where he lost the race and his, and, he, and he flared up on his dad, put him to one side and said, you can't do that. Like, and that, that sort of stuff will have happened to him all the way through his career. And, and that's what they're learning too, you know? They're learning that sort of stuff at the same time. It reminds me of like McGregor when he lost to Diaz. And he's like, listen, I'll take it like a man, like a champion. I come back and do it again. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm <laughs> in victory. <laughs> and all of a sudden then, four years later, he loses the Poirier. My wife is in me DMs. Hey, mate. <laughs> But not everybody learns, maybe. So maybe if I to lose again, he's like, hey, your wife is in my DMs. <laughs> he could be just that one lose, that one bad car away from doing the McGregor. Lewis Hamilton. Don't forget, don't forget. We Lewis Hamilton doing Conor McGregor. 
We only seen Lewis in front of the camera. He could have went in, in, in behind and bet his helmet off the wall for all we know. True. Oh, jeez. How he could you have. not? He'd like, well within his rights. But the, yeah, oh, well, I, I would say he definitely did. But I suppose the, to my point on that is like when the pressure's kind of on you, the tension's there and there's a camera in your face and people asking you tough questions. Like he just held it together so well and he just kind of... Sp- and that was like... And again, Kev, as you were saying there, it wasn't that like you didn't have respect from Rant like that. Like you did, obviously. But like when I started watching it, he's after winning seven, and I'm like, all right, come on. It's like Man United back in the day, and you're like, it was yeah. nice to see Arsenal win it, and it's like Man City. It's nice, nice to see someone else win it. So you're looking to like give it to somebody else to freshen it up. Same with now, like, like I loved Max and was mad for Max to win it, and now it's like I'd love to see Charles win it now. And I, the underdog. You know, yeah, yeah, I, like I'm very much like that. I'm always like up for the underdog. Um, Did you? Um, it might have been in that period where you didn't follow F1 in 2000 and 2008. Um, at the Brazilian Grand Prix, it was between Hamilton and Massa to win the championship last race. I'm sure you've seen clips of it even, and and Hamilton passed Block in the last corner to 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 deprive Massa of winning the championship because Massa had won the race. Um, it was like Hollywood stuff and Nicole Scherzinger jumping around. I mean, it was literally a perfect script. Um, And um, it was the way, what I remember from that was not Hamilton winning it, it was how Massa dealt with losing. If that's and that's even the wrong phrase because he'd done it, he'd won the race. Like, um, and a lot of people will reflect back on that. You know, he tears in his eyes, beating his chest in front of his his home crowd. Like, and does you know, like you're the best or the greatest, all that sort of stuff has to go into the into the mixing pot. You know, how people deal with stuff off the track and their personality and everything. And to me, you know, that was an extreme example of someone just being a good person and handling things right. And we've seen an element of that then, with, you know, when Hamilton was on the other side of it in Abu Dhabi, where he was the one that was, that was shortchanged. Um, so you know it's it, it's right there. It's always been there, and it's an important it's an important part of the of the driver's makeup too. Yeah, it has to, like you said, like and again, a lot of people obviously don't understand it. You've an idea of it, obviously being a race, it, uh, a driver and stuff, and it's like, uh, how do you deal with that? Like even Shane Lowry in the golf there last year at the Masters, he took a shot and on the you uh, picked it up on the mic where he went, uh, "Well done, Bo. Well fucking done." Uh, that was a great call there, whatever. So he gave him like a yardage or he gave him a club. I don't know what happened there. But everybody's like, oh my God, he spoke to him like that. And I'm like, he's at the Masters. Like Shane may as well be in an F1 car. The tension yeah. is pretty huge. Every shot, every, like for a driver, every turn, did I lose ground on the field? Am I gaining ground on the field? It's so bloody tense. These guys get along great, but they're grown men. They're competitors and they're like, they're going to vent. And it's like, of course. It's kind of, yeah, I remember being very, like, surprised with it. And even when Shane and Bo, like, this part of the ways, a lot of people were talking about that incident. And, like, if you know, like, talk about, like, drivers talking to their engineers. Like, there's some guys that'll be um, uh, uh, golfers and the way they they get tick with their caddies because, like, the caddy is important and gives them, you know, advice and is like, you know what, no, I I wouldn't hit your seven iron, hit your eight iron here, you know what I mean? You're... Your, you know, your adrenaline's up and then you go short to the green and you wanted to hit a seven, but you hit an eight and now you're short. You're like, good Your fault. Good. Yeah, do you know, so it's certainly going to say to him, hard luck with that one, boy. Yeah, you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't, it's, yeah, it's only for a million quid. Like, don't worry about it. Yeah, do you know what? It's like, it's it, it, it's crazy to us. Some people kind of think the, oh, like, and that's what I love. I love seeing the drivers. And that was the thing Mapolder was trying to tell me that day was like, you get to see these guys, the, the mask, not that it slips, it's off when they're in the car. 
Do you know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. It's, exactly. Just, it's so tense and they come off the track then and if someone's done something to them on the track, they'll walk right into their uh, pit and just say it to them and it's like this sort of... And I remember just being there going, yeah, yeah. And it did it did stick with me what he said. But at the time, I was so into the golf and I was so... And I was like, I can't pick up another sport. And because uh, like, again, it's just too... It's nearly too many sports to follow. But like mm-hmm. now, the great thing about Formula One was that like... Yeah, I just love it. Like, I'm interested in all these little storylines. I'm interested in hearing the team radios. I'm interested in, like, that Sky. Now, I do work with Sky, so it's like, not that this is a shameless plug or whatever, but, like, I press that red button there at the weekend on the Sky Glass, and you can see everybody's onboard thing. You can follow, like, and then they'll tell you, like, uh, go to the battle station. So it's like, okay, yeah, Max is winning. He's probably going to win. We might go back to that if someone gets close to him. But here, let's watch uh, George and Alonso for a few minutes. Yeah, um, yeah, down here, and that to me is as interesting as anything else, and that's why Formula One as a sport, um, it's just so so much easier to follow. And every yeah. week, the same guys are involved every week, and the same guys are usually in that top ten, roughly, and then it obviously interchanges at the bottom, and that's all interesting too, because lads are like literally possibly going to lose their seat. Yeah, um, yeah, there, yeah, and there isn't, you know, they don't just drop down and come back up again. I mean, you're, you're out, you're out. That's it. You're 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 yesterday's news and. To someone well, else in to take it. Hulk. Well, yeah, <laughs> he's like the ultimate comeback. You know, he just yeah. keeps appearing back, and it's, you're, you're even this this weekend just gone. You kind of forget that he's he actually has a full drive now. He's not there just for a weekend. He's gonna be back the next day too, which is sorry, lads. Hey, stop. Right. <laughs> he's, no. he's he's welcome he's welcome too we've, we've had a few people bark on this show uh previously and they weren't they weren't dogs either funnily enough but connor you've been brilliant with your time we've really really appreciate your you giving up your time and and coming on having the crack with us here right um what is actually next for you then what's the next few weeks and months looking like uh the next few weeks and months i'm actually i'm in florida next week doing a bit of golf work uh doing a shoot i'm back and then over for the masters and then it looks like I'll be at the Miami Grand Prix. Um, my uncle and I nice. have a bar in Fort Lauderdale, so I'm going to go down and stay down there for a few days and go to the Miami. And then I'm going to Monaco uh, for the so first time. Happening, really. Oh, so <laughs> <don't>... <laughs> just, just Florida, Miami, and Monaco in the next few weeks. Is that it? Quite, yeah. quite a few months ahead, huh? <laughs> the crazy, crazy thing you have. Do you know the crazy thing is? You know, listen, they're they're all highlights, kind of 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 things. That's the kind of one percent. But um, yeah, a lot of it's just kind of sitting down. Like my like literally my days. Like even today, like it's just get up in the morning, practice a few impersonations, and then I listen to like some podcasts and read some articles on golf and F one and stuff like that. And that's usually what I'm doing. All people are like, oh, some life or whatever. And you're like, a lot of time when you go to these things as well, like you're working at them, so you're always tuned in, and you kind of struggle to enjoy some of them. Um, still a job so yeah you know and you're making sure and you, you might be at it and you're like but I have a gig that night like even like the Austin Grand Prix um, I lost my voice I was supposed to do the grid walk with Martin Brundle the actual uh, grid oh. walk but wow. he, we were going to make a bit of a good video with Sky Sports where we'd come along and he'd obviously I'd be on the grid as different guys and whatever and I was out on the Saturday night and like I won't lie I did have I had about four or five drinks but I wasn't like jarred or anything but I uh, had four or five drinks and I was at a party where there was this band playing and it was just so loud and I was like shouting over people I was like oh yeah yeah and my voice I have a, I have a pretty weak voice like if I do I did three nights in a row in Mullingar there last week in gigs and I lost my voice for three days and I just right. got it back on the Thursday it was just about back on the Thursday to do the gig in, in the Olympia and I, I couldn't speak to anybody, like my wife, she vocal rest, I was like, didn't speak. Um, so I didn't do 
the the grid walk with Martin on the Sunday, but like Stefano had given me these passes. What a name drop, CEO of Bang. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. Um, so he gave, gave me and my wife these passes for the grid walk. So I got to just on the Sunday was by far the best day that I enjoyed. Like obviously we did the things with Carlos and um, Mercedes and different things on the Friday, Saturday, but all of that was work. And I felt under pressure all the time because I was like, I better deliver good stuff here. And it's like, get the clips back to the hotel, start editing and stuff like that. So it was like, I wouldn't say the first couple of days were all that enjoyable. They were a great experience, but like yeah. I'm constantly under pressure, making sure I want to get good stuff out. Sunday then, I'm delighted I lost my voice. I couldn't work. Yeah, you have a day off. Walk the grid. And that was like one of the, we were in uh, one of the, we were in this kind of, uh, we were in the pit lane actually, um, this bar in the pit lane. We were re right next to Hats. We were just watching Gunther and that. So they would come in and um, we were there. And I remember that day after the race, that was like really a pinch me moment. That was like, I was, I said to my wife, I was like, I think I, I love this sport. Like, do you know, and the sound of it and everything. I was like, this is just amazing. Oh. That was the day I realized, I was like, oh my, like, I was so glad I got to go over and watch it, like, and see it, like. Um, well, wait till you get to Monaco. I, I've been lucky enough to be at Monaco and it's just like nothing else. It really is. Make sure you get it. You, you pencil a bit of time in to, if you can to just, you know, getting out around the circuit and experiencing it. You know, the, the, the car is that up close um, and the atmosphere and the whole parky, you know, this of it all. It's it's absolutely incredible. It's Yeah, it's I, can't, I can't. I'm actually not really working, which is great. I'm not like, I, I, I like at the minute, I could get roped into something like, you know, when you're there, people, uh, and the hard part for me as well is that like doing impersonations, um, I don't mean to be rude to some people when I get over there because everyone wants an interview off you because it's such a handy piece of content. Okay, you might have five questions there and that'll, that'll get us views and we, like, we'll look great, like the boss, a great video there, you know, whatever, you got certain amount of views. But like the more of them I do, the more people are like, oh, you're mad. Because I felt I was teetering edge, yeah, of doing too much in Austin. Like if I went back to do another Grand Prix and work like that, like I'd just be like, here, one or two pieces of content max. I was like, we're not doing five or something like that because you know the way people are on social media they can get sick of you fairly quick and if yeah. you're not coming up with brand new stuff all the time and keeping that fresh they'll call you out and they'll be like oh this fella's at the same old you know and that's what i kind of find is the hardest thing about the job and that's why you need to do so much research because you just have to keep refreshing the thing so that like it's it's at least after you see these impersonations four or five times it's not that funny anymore. No, it's the writing though is the is yeah. the important bit. That I, I want once you get yeah, and that's like we actually had a quick chat before you came on, and we said that we didn't want it to be a kind of performing monkey kind of. Oh, I'll do Carlos. I'll do such. Do, you know, because we we wanted to get to see the person behind behind all of them. You know, because I'd imagine from your point of view, it's just you know people wheeling you out and putting you in front of the camera, saying right, do this guy. Okay, thanks. Go away. It's, yeah, sometimes in fairness in podcasts now, not as much kind of like because it's kind of uh, yeah, not as much. But I like I find like just doing them, having a chat like this, and then just bringing them in naturally. Yeah, is the best way. and this has been a great podcast. To be honest with you, I thought this podcast was amazing. Came <laughs> thought it was really good. Uh, do you mind if I go, guys? Because I have to take a shit. <laughs> I was literally going to ask you, have you, have you, have you got a Kimi and There it is. Ah, oh, super. Uh, did you see Vettel doing Raikkonen years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I seen Vettel doing. Uh, he did Carlos last year at some award ceremony. Someone sent it to me, and he was like, "Oh, my name is Carlos. I'm a driver." Yeah. I was like, "Oh, he's watching." <laughs> yeah, he's been watching. He's been watching. <laughs> Connor Moore, thanks a million. Really, really appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on, Derek. Chef, on show. All right. Thanks a million, boys.